Well, we're well into the book of Revelation and there's no turning back. I'm sorry. Well, I shouldn't apologize for the word, should I? But I'm realizing how much I've tried to bite off and it's a bit much. So you'll notice in the last couple of messages now, we have split up the seven churches. So it's actually like we've got 14 churches, but actually there's only seven. And so we're kind of taking it half at a time. And that's gonna be true with the last part of this sixth church. I get paid to enjoy this. This is incredible. How many of you have a job that you don't get paid, but you just love it? This is a reward for us to be able to sit here and to go through this book, which is probably the least read book in the Bible. And it needs to be the number one seller. Because most of us, the first thing that we do when we sit down to our desk and our computer or our cell phone is, what do we do? We check the news. Am I the only one that does that? You check your email. Okay, well, that's news. And so for us, that is a draw. But this book should really draw us because it is big news. And the more we understand it, the more we can reflect on what is coming down the wire from the broadcasts of news agencies all over the world. Much of it is bad news, but it is an indicator of the good news of what is ahead for us. Because if we are diligent we will be aware of the time that we live in, both in knowing the scriptures and knowing what is happening here. There's not a lot of time left. Let's dive in. Father, we ask you to energize us, uh, our, our minds, our hearts, by the Holy Spirit, to be able to understand these words and to bring meaning and context and understanding that you are the most high God. You are the maker of heaven and earth. You are the one who placed us here, not we ourselves. In this time, and we pray, bless your word. In Jesus' name, amen the revelation of Jesus Christ. To the messenger of the church in Philadelphia. Who is the messenger? The pastor. The pastor is the messenger. And that's who this is addressed to. You are blessed to even have a pastor. You know that almost half of the churches in Japan do not have a pastor. In fact, there's a Japanese church in this building right now that doesn't have a pastor. Oh, I sometimes chip in or one of the deacons chip in and 
try to fill that gap. A pastor is important, not because of who he is, but of the assignment that God has given him. The tremendous responsibility that a pastor has for the affairs of God. And this nation is in great need of pastors. And if any one of you sense that this is a need in this country, would you fervently take this as a daily prayer offering to the Lord that there be an increase of men who know the word of God and are able to teach it and to bring it to the people so that they may be the witnesses of Jesus Christ in this country. This is our prayer for Japan. This church that we're going to talk about this morning is one of seven. It's the sixth one listed in the seven churches. These churches were actual churches, pretty much like what we are. We're talking about the Church of Philadelphia. Not Pennsylvania, but Philadelphia, what does that mean? Brotherly love. The Church of Brotherly Love. The word of Revelation is really encapsulated in verse 3 of chapter 1. Let's read this together again. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. And that is a threefold blessing by the fact that reading, you get a blessing. Hearing, you get a blessing. And heeding, the blessing is topped off and overflowing. That's God's promise, for the time is near. Let's read. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut, because you have a little power, and have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews but are not, but lie. I will make them come and bow at your feet and make them know that I have loved you because you have kept the word of my perseverance. I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, so that no one will take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Last week we looked at the first part of this letter, this message 
to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. It was from, as Kent has already underlined in his opening comments, he who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this. I know your deeds. Behold, I've put before you an open door, which no one can shut, because you have little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. And just to review that part that we had last week, very briefly, he who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens. Who is that? Who is that one? Jesus Christ himself. The key of David. Remember the prophecy concerning Eliab Kim and that place, that special place that that servant, King Hezekiah, had? He was the only access to the king. And Jesus is the only access to the God Most High. He is the king, and he is the key of David. He has it on his shoulders, what it says. Why on his shoulder? Shoulder was a sign of strength, power, and authority. Jesus has that authority. And not just by chance, but by design, he is from the line of David. And we talked about that several weeks ago, that it was the line of David that Jesus Christ came, and both in his father and also in his mother. Although his earthly father was not really his father, but yet the line of David ended or was consummated in Jesus Christ. God is so meticulous in the way that he plans history. We think of history as being something that's in the past. God does not see history that way. He sees it. He's seen it thousands of years before it happened. And he has carefully, meticulously, by detail after detail, has formed that history to happen. Is he manipulating? Uh, yeah, because of the fact that he is the creator. And he is the all-powerful one. But this is the declaration that he has made. That in the end times, he will be placing his son in the highest position. And all flesh, all peoples, will recognize this is the king of glory. And that is where our focus should be. And that was where our focus was when we were worshiping this morning. And that's why we're gathered here. And that's why we call ourselves Christians, because we're following our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the one who is above everyone else. And then we looked at, I know your deeds. And he does know us. He knows MCC. But he drills down even further than that. He knows us individually. And he knows what our heart is. 
he knows what is happening to us and will happen to us and he is planning carefully i have put before you an open door which no one can shut why he has the key of david because you have a little power but you have jesus in his name and have kept my word it's enough it's enough and have not denied my name that is the most powerful name in the universe and in history in the name of jesus your life can change into something that you were not able to make of yourself in the name of jesus coming to him and receiving his salvation his cleansing his work in your heart you become another being another creation can you imagine that you were born of earthly parents but you have become because of jesus christ and believing in him and in his name your sins are wiped away and the sins of your mother and father are not put on you but you in christ are righteous you have become righteous in him you are a new creature a new creation because of jesus christ you are not what you were born to be that seems like it's backwards doesn't it no it isn't it's in the right order because we're all from adam and eve we're all condemned sinners. But hallelujah and praise the Lord. He has given us his name. We are in him because of declaring him Lord of our life. And that is why it's so important. And just talking with Stuart this morning before the service, the first question that came to my mind was, did Junko's mother know Jesus? The comfort that Stuart has and Junko has right now, she was not opposed to them becoming Christians and Stuart leading Junko in that profession. So we don't know, but we trust that Junko's mother called out that name of Jesus. He is the one who knows. I know. He says to us he knows your heart he knows where you are he knows what is deep down inside that no one else even the closest person to you does not know what your heart is but the Spirit of God knows who you are and he searches our hearts to see those who will listen to him and receive him and speak that name Yeshua, Jesus, Lord of all. That was just the review of last week. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. What is this synagogue of Satan? It is not anti-Semitic. It is not anti-Jewish. 
But the people of God, those chosen people, turned their backs so many times on the living God. And they, in fact, are a demonstration of every one of us as human beings who have turned away and gone our own way, even after we have confessed Jesus to be Lord of our life. And so that is kind of what the definition of the synagogue of Satan. You will not surely die. Can you hear the hiss of the snake, the deceiver? God knows that the time that you eat, you'll be like him. The synagogue of Satan. And even the law, when it was given to Moses, and Moses was, I'm sure, delighted. Here they've come to this mountain, and there's been demonstration on this mountain. And he has given these tablets with the law. And he goes down the mountain, and he hears some noise of dancing and music. And he looks, and he sees them dancing around a golden calf and worshiping it. And in anger, he throws the law down and it breaks in half. The law is broken. Salvation is done, finished, impossible for these people. Can you imagine Moses' distress? Much more can you imagine the distress of Father God. The first pair, yeah. But what about the millions that came and were worshiping this golden calf that they just took all of their rings and, and jewelry, melted it down, and out magically comes this golden calf. They became idolaters, worshiping something that just was created by man or formed by their own imagination. But we, as those who God breathed his life into, have turned away from the living God. That's us. And that's what we're talking about here, the synagogue of Satan, who say they are Jews, but are not, but lie. I will make them come and bow at your feet. He's talking to those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, who had rejected Jesus Christ. And that is not just Jews. It is men and women who, from every nation. I will make them come and bow at your feet and make them know that I have loved you. The world hates us. That's what Jesus said. But Jesus loves us because you have kept the word of my perseverance, because you have gone against the tide, you've gone against that which would keep you from salvation, because you have kept the word of my perseverance. I will also keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Now, does that mean that we as the church will never suffer? I don't think so. 
It wouldn't surprise me if the uh, rapture will happen post-trib. Oh no, what did Ron say? <laughs> Does he believe in post-trib? We're the loved of God. We shouldn't suffer. I just said, I don't know where my position is, but it wouldn't surprise me if we have to go through testing the full seven years of it until we're redeemed out of it. If it's pre-trib, if it's before the tribulation, oh, praise the Lord. Oh, it's so good to have this wonderful congregation. We're going to be all together. But there are some who said, well, maybe it's going to be halfway in your mid-trib. And those who are very pessimistic and not optimists think it'll be post-trib. Well, I tend to agree with all three of them. And that doesn't mean there's going to be three raptures. <laughs> but I do believe that the Lord wants us to be prepared. I do believe that he wants us to be ready. And it's not just that we're trying to get out of tribulation. We already have a savior. We already have someone who can keep us in the times of great tribulation. What about our Korean brothers and sisters in North Korea? I don't know what the statistic is now, but several years ago, I had heard there were just as many Christians in North Korea as there was in South Korea. They're going through a great tribulation. Those Christians in North Korea. And here we sit in Japan. Not enough pastors. We need to think about this. We need to get our thinking corrected. I also will keep you from the hour of testing. How many times have I been saved from testing? I don't know. But God has been very gracious to me, to us. We have been tested. And you will too. But he is able to keep you in testing. I will keep you. I will keep you holding fast. The hour will come, which is about to come upon the whole world, to test those who dwell on the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have. He says, I will keep you. But he's saying to us, hold fast. Hold fast. Stand on the promises of God. Why? so that no one will take your crown. What is that crown? It's the crown of life. I'm going to go quickly through this now. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. We're locked in as believers in Jesus Christ, like a pillar. We got some pillars four of them, I think, in each of the corners of this building. This is all a very heavy building above us. And God has put us 
his church in the basement. Without these pillars here in this building, this building would fall right down upon us. I'm not trying to scare you. But pillars are necessary. And we say, well, actually it was said about Peter, James, and John. Paul said this, that they were pillars in the church. And recognizing the grace that had been given to me, James and Peter and John, who were reputed to be pillars, gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship so that we might go to the Gentiles and they to the Jews, the circumcised. How many are pillars? I think I recognize some things in you as the people of God. Unshaken, firmly grounded in Jesus Christ. Is that true of you? I think it's happening with many of you. God is refining and putting you in a place of holding up the temple of our God, the church of Jesus Christ. It's a challenge. And the pastor can't do it by himself. We need all of us to be pillars, to hold up the truth, the temple, the body of Christ. And I will write on him the name of my God. And Katie and I preached that a few weeks ago. Names are important, very important. And the name of Jesus is very important. And the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God, and his new name, my new name. Did you know that Jesus will have a new name? But I love the name Jesus. Yes, we do. But he says he will have a new name that no man knows but we're going to worship him. And it's going to have something to do with being the worthy one. You didn't prepare that song this morning. Next week, coming up. Come next week and we're gonna sing a wonderful hymn. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Father, this is our prayer. This is our declaration to you and to one another that we have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches and to our church and to us individually this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's, uh, let's all stand. Father, we come to you understanding a little. Our hearts are drawn to you. We sense that you are calling out those people who will respond to you and to your call. And you know us. You know us by name. And we ask that everyone in this room and those who are hearing this message would turn their hearts to you, trusting you, the one who is worthy, 
because you have given your name as the only name by which we must be saved. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.